0: Hello, my name is Rick Napier, the founder at Real People USA, and you can find us on the web at rpusa.org. Real People USA has three functions. The first is that we support small business owners with um, sales systems, and we love talking about it. And uh, there's just a lot of things we do with small business owners that actually uh, fall under our commercial enterprise. The second thing that we do at Real People USA, we help Republican candidates boost their performance through podcasting, uh, through our uh, campaigning without appearing to campaign uh, systems, and we show candidates how to win and most importantly, how not to lose. The third function at Real People USA is we talk about real situations that impact real people in America. And that's why we call the podcast uh, and the company Real People USA. Today's podcast episode will not be edited. So you will hear some bloopers and some blunders, but I don't want to edit it because I want to speak from the heart and I'm not using any notes because I have lived with this topic for the last, I would say, 20, 25 years. And the title of this podcast episode is What Does Managing Expectations Mean and Finding New Clients or Attracting Voters? So, yeah, it's Wednesday morning here on the West Coast. And I had to do this this podcast episode because it's uh, getting to the point where... You know, I'm starting to see a lot of problems here with this uh, current administration and, um, you know, the political side is something that I've been watching from afar for about two to three years. And it wasn't until about this time last year, maybe uh, I want to say six months before the presidential 2020 election that I started looking at this campaigning process more more closely. But managing expectations, the definition of that, and this is just my definition because uh, it, it was like a phrase I created from a lot of experiences in the past, from military experience, from uh, 12 years working in corporate America, uh, through owning my own small business here in California with clients across the country and a few uh, countries like England and India. And, and in 2014, I started a consulting firm because I realized that even my performance uh, was suffering. And I'm just going to be honest with you. My performance in my business was suffering uh, from from 2010, 2011, 2012. And I realized that I had to find out what the problem uh, was at that time. So I spent about two and a half, almost three years identifying the problem and writing a solution, at least for the business problem. And I started my company to help white collar small business owners improve their sales productivity and sales performance. And the white collar small business owners are attorneys, CPAs, dentists, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers and real estate brokers. And then last year, I extended the business consulting services to the uh, blue collar small business owners like your auto repair shops, your plumbers, uh, your uh, hairstylists, uh, tattoo artists. Because what I found out was that there's just there are like five things, five components involved with um, small business ownership and, and especially when you look at how people find new clients. So then I crossed the fence when I met a few congressional candidates here in California about two to three years ago and started meeting more uh, congressional candidates across the country. Then my best friend was was scratching and itching and saying, hey, you know what? I think I want to run for Congress So my, my friend that is in Arizona. So I kind of look back to what the commercial enterprise had done to help white-collar small business owners. And I found out that there is a 90% overlap between supporting white-collar small business owners and supporting Republican congressional candidates. And I, I say Republican congressional candidates because... The campaigning without appearing to campaign and the real people USA uh, performance boosting system does not work with Democrats. Uh, it just doesn't because there has to be some honesty, courage and uh, some, you know, some credibility and uh, hate to say it, but the Democrat Party just doesn't have it uh, and it and it does not match or what their platform is about is not consistent with how real people USA uh, functions. So this 90% overlap is real common items that are almost the same, whether you are talking about a small business or a candidate running for Congress, but it's the 10% that separates them. And before I get into managing expectations, I want to talk about um, my own personal story, which I'll probably keep to around five minutes and I'll watch the clock. (laughs) So, like I said, my own personal story, uh, working in the military for uh, six years active and six years in the reserves, I learned a lot. I was a, a combat vet working in a communication squadron. Learned a lot, saw a lot, had a top secret security clearance that opened my eyes and exposed me to a lot of things that are actually happening right now. Uh, fast forward, I went to corporate America while, while I was attending college. Uh, I started as an engineering major, had to switch because I had a kid in college and uh, decided to go the, the business and economics route at Golden Gate University in San Francisco started working in corporate America and discovered that um, for whatever reason, the people I was working with, my colleagues, were not as responsive to uh, problems that were happening in corporate America. And the military background, and just my own uh, personal uh, way I think, I would rather fix a problem uh, while the problem is small Rather than wait until the problem is huge. And in corporate America, the chain of command, so to speak, or the hierarchy, the the corporate structure, uh, is not kind to someone who uh, lets a problem persist and that problem ends up costing the company several million dollars or may cost the company a lot of great clients where the company may end up losing several million dollars per month. So I've always had a proactive stance uh, or viewpoint about problems. And I'll just tell you this short story that I experienced in corporate America solving a problem. There was this lab company. He was billing us about two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars per month. I worked at a an HMO in, in Los Angeles, a health insurance company that provided health insurance to about uh, 1.5 million Californians, and uh, the number was growing, but the lab company was sending in these these invoices for about you know 225, 250 thousand dollars per month, and people were paying these invoice invoices, you know, sight unseen. They would get the invoice and pay for it. So I started requesting the actual detail about. Uh, what lab procedures were being performed and uh, not getting the, the people's personal information, but getting their membership number uh, for the health plan. So I started getting these boxes uh, with these uh, paper uh, uh, entries showing what lab procedures were performed. So to fast forward, the, 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 in, the monthly invoice number was going up dramatically faster Then our membership was growing. So the bill was like two twenty five, two fifty. And then it was like two seventy five, three hundred and twenty five thousand. And it was getting close to like five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, by the sixth or seventh month. So I went to the IT department because I had a good relationship with several uh, departments within the corporation. And I asked them to run a a database search based on these membership numbers. So what we found out was that the lab company was performing or not performing, but they were billing us for female diagnosis or lab uh, uh, specimen analysis uh, that would only apply to females. But they were billing us or providing these services or billing these services for males, things like mammogram and uh, pap smear. Uh, so I discovered that, let the CEO know, and that uh, overbilling uh, came to a total of about a half a million dollars. And people were asking me, how did I discover that? And it's just, I'd rather be proactive and coming from the military and, and other life experiences, I just had this higher level of, of uh, awareness than many of my colleagues And I ended up, you know, being uh, promoted to my first management job uh, by the CEO of a Fortune 500 company here in uh, Sacramento. And the company at that time, the size was 25,000 employees. And by the time I left in the the late 90s, early 2000s, the company was up to 100,000 employees across the country. So I say that not to brag or anything, but it, I just want to give an example of the level of scrutiny and, and analysis that I put into working with uh, different challenges and coming up with solutions. So let's talk about what managing expectations means. Okay, managing expectations. Like I mentioned, it was a, an upper division college class that I took. It was called operations research. And uh, it was a, a class that, that talked about why problems persist and who is responsible for fixing the problems. And you might be surprised that when an when a organization has a problem, uh, it's often the case where the fingers are pointed at individual departments or individuals. But what this course taught me And, you know, when I say taught me through actual research and actual case studies was the problems that persist in the organization always starts at the top. It's the CEO. It's the man or woman who's in charge of the company that is the source of the problem. And why is that? You might say, well, the CEO, he or she doesn't work in IT, doesn't work in accounting, doesn't work in uh, sales and marketing. Why is the CEO the at the top of the list as a person that's uh, causing a problem? And that's because a lot of times the CEOs are too arrogant, or they may be embarrassed, or they may have another type of uh, you know personality style that may prohibit people below them coming to them with the problem, and even when. Uh, Lower-level management people uh, come to the CEO. The CEO may be in this uh, this mode of rejecting all new ideas and not understanding what the big picture is. So anytime there is a problem, uh, especially in a big organization or even in a small company, but more so in a big organization, it's because the person at the top is, is the problem. So when you look at managing expectations, managing expectations is a reverse engineering uh, uh, process to uh, to fix problems or to uh, win. in, In the case of small business owners or congressional candidates running for office, managing expectations is the opposite of what I would say. 95% of small business owners or political candidates how they run their their businesses or their campaigns So I'll give you an an example of what managing expectations is not about So let's look at the small business owner first and then the political uh, candidate And what I will do is go back and forth uh, real quickly so that uh, listeners and, and readers so I did a uh, a blog article on this, uh, could not compl- could not write the entire blog article on this subject, uh, but I did at least start the blog article and referred people to the podcast episode. So, what ninety five percent of small business owners and uh, Republican candidates do uh, to get their, their 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 businesses going or their campaign start started what they do is they start at the at the bottom or oh, i should say let's start let's say start at the left and they work to, toward the right now that's not a play on words to say the right is better <laughs> i know it sounds like it you know right direction right way uh right wing <laughs> but so it's not a play on words it's, it's just you know left versus right or right versus wrong but In my example, I'm using the left side, and we're moving to the right. So 95% of people, business owners, political candidates, they start from the left, and they say, I want to win whatever I'm doing. I want to win in my business. I want to win in my political campaign. So I'm going to start on the left, and I'm going to start taking some actions. And when you start from the left, and you're trying to finish, cross the finish line at the right, it is so, so expensive. There, it, there is so much time wasted. There are so many things that you have to correct. So when you start at the left as a business owner, you may say, I want to make $300,000 in my small business or $3 million in my medium-sized business or you know, $15 million in my medium-sized business. And for political candidates, starting on the left, they say, I want to win my race. So the small business owner, the political candidate, what they do is they start doing stuff and they find out through trial and error that didn't work. Or they find out after spending way, way too much money that didn't work. So they they try something else and they may try five or six different things to discover That these things don't work. And by the time they get close to the finish line, before the ultimate decision uh, is made if they if they're trying to run for political office, before they get to that final stage, they may find out that they are going to lose. Or more critically, they may not even know if they're going to win. For the small business owner, the small business owner may say I wanted to make three hundred thousand dollars and they may find out that they are so far from three hundred thousand dollars. They're in the hole. They're in debt. Their ROI is suffering. It's nowhere close to three or five or higher, which the the ROI should be for a successful company. Maybe they're at point nine. Or 1.0 ROI, meaning that uh, the money that they're putting in to invest in their business, uh, they're making pretty much the money that they put in, and that's not great. Or the political candidate goes into the race, and a couple of months before the 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 race or the or the election day, they find out that they don't even know how many. Voters are going to support them. They have to rely on these things called polls and to rely on polls is a miserable way to know if you have a chance of winning your election. Um, it's just not not a, not a great thing. So that's the reality of how 95% of small business owners and Republican, political candidates that's how they treat their businesses and their campaigns with this um i call it unmanaged expectations where any damn thing can happen and they have no control over it they don't see it coming and uh, it normally just turns into failure Uh, and failure is not good for a small business owner and it definitely uh, failure, that is, is not good for the Republican candidate, especially right now. It's not good. So that is the 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 perspective of starting from the left and moving to the right. Now, let's close out this podcast episode. Now, talk about the preferred way, at least in, in my professional opinion, uh, for small business owners and for Republican Uh, political candidates now we're going to talk about moving from the right to the left now moving now starting at the right you in in your mind you have to say what do I want the outcome to be and for the small business owner it may be I want to make three hundred thousand dollars a small business owner wants to make three hundred thousand dollars for the Republican political candidate The candidate says at at the conclusion of whatever they do, they see themselves with an outcome of winning. So winning for the small business owner, winning for the Republican political candidate. Since uh, managing expectations is a reverse engineering concept, uh, we're going to start working our way from the right back to the left. So just to throw in a a definition of reverse engineering, Um, when I was going to college and especially when I was in the military, uh, a lot of successful businesses use the reverse engineering concept to um, get rid of problems, uh, to uh, to make sure that things are working correctly. So reverse engineering simply means that you start with the outcome that you that you want. Like I said, the expectation, then you work your way backwards and and you say to yourself, well, how I won. I won my political race. I made three hundred thousand dollars in my on my law practice or my CPA firm. How did I get there or how do I get there? So you go one step toward the left. And I'll just give you an example from a small business ownership example, and I'll give you a political uh, uh, example of how it should work. So for the small business owner who made three hundred three hundred thousand dollars, the small business owner will say my my customer is happy with my uh, with my product or service. So moving to the left. The small business owner will say, uh, and I'll give you an example: Did I get referrals from this uh, client that I just, you know, provided a provider provided a product or service, or I closed? I hope people aren't aren't offended by the word "close," because, <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm I'm talking the audience that I'm reaching out to are small business owners and Republican political candidates, and I've seen that a lot of political candidates. They're not used to this word close or they're uncomfortable with the word closed or closing. But in a sense, when you're running for office and you win, you have closed a significant amount of voters who believed in your candidacy. So let's continue. So did you get referrals? Yes. Okay. so that means the person that bought your product or service liked what they went through. They liked the experience um, and there's more a detail I can provide on the small business owner side. But I want to keep this podcast episode short. So the, 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 the new client loved the, the how they were treated in the transaction process. So you move one step more to, to, to the left. OK, so an appointment had to be made. How was that done? was that done efficiently was that done professionally so you move one more step to the left and now you're at the prospecting stage Uh, how was the prospecting Uh, was the prospecting done professionally was the prospecting done enough you see for a small business owner to make three hundred thousand dollars it took more than just one person so this person the small business owner, let's say it's an attorney, they had to have not just one person uh, that they sold their legal services to. They may have needed you know, 20 or 30 people uh, to sell that legal service to uh, for an average of $10,000 per transaction. Uh, so the prospecting stage is a very important s- stage for the small business owner. So that prospecting stage is actually the stage that drives the small business owner receiving $300,000. So the first uh, stage from moving from right to left is the contacting stage Uh, for small business owners. If you want to uh, close 30 people per year to earn $300,000, you're not going to talk to 30 people who close. I mean, you're not going to talk to 30 people who say yes 100% of the time and you end up closing the same people you prospect it, the same people you contacted. it. doesn't work that way. The contacting phase, uh, you, maybe you needed to talk to three to 400 people to get the 30 people to, uh, make appointments with, uh, to have, uh, uh, a, a opportunity to present and then close to earn $300,000. So let's move on to the political side, moving from right to left. Let's say you won your race. Well, how did that happen? Now for Republicans, this is the one thing. This is part of that 10%. Remember remember I said that uh, there's a 90% overlap? Well, for Republicans, there's a 10% thing that all Republicans need to focus in like a laser and that is the democrat cheating so for that republican to win their race congressional uh u.s senate state race uh like state senate state representative to win you gotta have a plan for democrat cheating if you don't have a plan for democrat cheating you are wasting your time you're wasting uh donor money and if you are running a pack you are uh, in my opinion you are selling a a, a bad of a, a bad bill of goods <laughs> i mean if you're running the pack and you're you don't have a plan for democrat cheating you are providing a disservice to the people that you are supporting in your political Action committee, committee, or your consulting firm. Like, like I said, I'm not going to edit this, and it's like uh, six o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to get this out of the way so I can start work. <laughs> so that one thing right there is critical. You got to have a plan for Democrat cheating. So you want you won your race. You have a plan for Democrat cheating. It's effective, and Real People USA. We have three to four systems. Uh, to uh, deter or stop Democrat cheating. So let's say you have a a, a method to stop Democrat cheating. The next thing that the Republican candidate needs moving from right to left, you need to know how many people are going to vote for you before the election. See, that's a big problem in the Republican Party. Uh, It's a big problem because now... You know, I'm seeing there are rhinos who are running for these Republican congressional seats, whether it's the House or Senate. There are rhinos running and, you know, Republican in name only. And even worse, podcast listeners, there are Democrat operatives running as Republicans and they're sprinkled across the country. I know or I should say I suspect who these people are who are running as Republicans, but they're really Democrats. And let me explain what that means. Uh, Somewhere, I don't know how, I don't know when it started, maybe five years ago, ten years ago. But at some point in time, the Democrats figured that if they want to, uh, you know, win races against Republicans, why not get someone to run as a Republican, especially in the primary? Where there are, where there is a strong Republican running and there's this what I call the Democrat operative, the person who is posing as a Republican. So the Democrats figured out if there is a strong Republican in a race, let's get the Democrat operative in that race too okay and combine that with cheating. combine that with uh, just pouring all types of money. On this Democrat operative where the Democrat operative has so much money to advertise so much um, money to to be on television and to do a a bunch of stuff it is not uncommon for the Democrat operative uh, posing as a Republican to have a half a million dollars a million dollars two million dollars or more at the very beginning of that campaign so uh, In order to win, like I said, the Republican candidate uh, must acknowledge that there are Democrat operatives posing as Republicans. And more importantly, like I mentioned, the Republican candidate, the true Republican candidate, must know how many people are going to vote for him or her on Election Day. And Real People USA, we have a system for that to come Pretty doggone close to have um, a number uh, of the, to reflect how many voters will vote for the Republican candidate. So, moving further uh, from the right to the left, uh, the Republican candidate needs to have a strong message. And uh, that message, and this is, this is just my opinion, there are a lot of messages out there that I'm hearing. And a lot of the messages do not correlate with what the American people are experiencing. Uh, I mean, I'm a military veteran, so I think, mili- m- you know, veteran issues are important to me and they're probably important to a lot of people. But that's not the top item. That's not the top item that people are concerned about. And this is the reason why President Trump was so successful in his 2016 Uh, You know, uh, campaign and winning and winning the election as our president uh, from 2017 until until 2021, uh, because he recognized that uh, not just Republicans can can uh, can 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 make a Republican candidate win; it has to be some Democrats that also believe in the same things as Republicans. And Donald Trump uh, figured that out. And uh, Donald Trump, uh, he went to an an amazing uh, college at the University of Pennsylvania. He went to one of the best business colleges out there. And uh, for some reason, I can't think of the name of it right now, but um, I might (laughs) in a few minutes before the, the podcast ends. But the Republican candidate needs to have a strong platform a strong message and that message needs to be so uh, ingrained in the Republican candidate's soul that they can repeat that message and 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 and, keep like I said communicate that message if they are tapped on the shoulder at 3 o'clock in the morning let's say someone taps the Republican candidates shoulder at 3 a.m. and say George what's your message George pops up. He has his his platform message down to a T. Then George goes back to sleep. So that is very, very important to have that message. And then to conclude from right to left, ending at the left side, the Republican candidate uh, has to start just talking to a lot of people. And I know there is uh, there's uh, this strong desire and motivation for people to load up on social media and to get on Twitter and get on Instagram and Facebook. And I just want to tell the Republican candidates that, um, number one, that's the enemy's camp. Instagram, social media, Facebook, that's the enemy's camp. And the second and more important reason why social media is not that big of a deal is because most of the people who are considering or who may vote for the Republican candidate is not on social media. They're working. They're working from eight o'clock in the morning till six p.m. They're picking their kids up from daycare. Uh, they're they're uh, running small business on, businesses uh, from seven a.m. to nine p.m. at night. They're not on social media and. So when people have, well, I had, you know, 5,000 views on social media, and I say big whoop, you know, half of those people are probably not even people who are eligible to vote for the Republican candidate. These people, these views could be from around the world. It could be uh, the view could have, uh, you know, been initiated because maybe the candidate looks great, handsome guy, attractive female. Um... You know, nice clothes. It could be a um, uh, Instagram fake profile, Twitter fake profile, Facebook fake profile. Those profiles are out there. They're out there big time. I just wish social media was not even a part of a person's uh, political campaign. Um, but if you choose to use it, please do not rely on social media at all to drive your campaign. Get out there and connect with real people. Hey, that's the name of my show, Connect with Real People in America and talk to them uh, about what you're doing. Talk to the average person. Don't meet up with other Republican, you know, friendlies, you know, at these conference rooms. And everybody rubs shoulders together and everyone has a great meal and, you know, gets all liquored up. And you go home and you say, we had a great Republican meeting last night. That doesn't mean jack shit. Get out there and meet real people. Meet the small business owner. Meet the the, the parent. Um, You know, talk to some some military veterans. Uh, Get them to... Tell their military friends uh, to vote for you. You know, law enforcement. uh, Get out there in the community so that the people know you. Because I would rather have, you know, 10 or 15 people that I initially meet, and those 10 or 15 people collectively through their networks and over time could be the 10 to 15 people who generate. 400 500 thousand votes uh, for your victory in your race so i just wanted to again let people know what managing expectations is all about and just to summarize managing expectations is to start with the victory with the win as a small business owner or a political candidate and identify the steps going backwards using a reverse engineering process so that you know uh that you're going to win because you have went backwards and identified uh the 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 ways the things that you need to do to win and and more importantly the the actions to avoid so that you don't spend a lot of money and waste a lot of time and uh, just cause your business or a political campaign to be a disaster. Anyway, this is Rick Napier, the founder at Real People USA. And I'm also the CEO of 321 Biz Dev LLC. And you can find uh, 321 Biz Dev LLC at 321BizDev.com. And you can find Real People USA at rpusa.org. Take care, and I hope... This podcast episode helps a lot of small business owners and it gives some insight to people who are running for political office. And if you need to reach me, uh, just one number will do it for both. Area code 480 400 zero four hundred four five hundred. 480-400-4500. Take care and make it a great day.